Hello and welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast. We're going to be speaking with a rock and roll musician from Bend, Oregon that I've personally known since he's about 18 or 19 years old. He's an incredible musician and his new project, Speedway Sleeper, is going to blow minds all over the Pacific Northwest and hopefully beyond. Ryan Nelson from Speedway Sleeper is coming up next. You're listening to the Powered by Rock podcast with your host, Isaac Kuhlman. The Powered by Rock podcast was created to help showcase some of the best rock musicians in the world and to pass on to future generations the rock music that has inspired rock fans around the world for decades. We want listeners to be able to hear great stories and life experiences directly from their favorite artists, as well as dig deeper into music theory and talk rock like no other show you've ever heard. This isn't about looking cool. It's about getting real and having a great time. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hey, welcome to the podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with Ryan Nelson from Speedway Sleeper about some of the absolutely awesome things he's working on musically, how he's going to blow listeners away with his live shows and how he's working on becoming the next Skilo. Welcome to the show, Ryan. The next Skilo. You know, he's still making music. I looked him up the other day. He's still doing his thing. That's, I would love to. That would be awesome. Yeah. Before we get going, I should also say you have the best intro music of any podcast out there. Yeah, I was going to say it's a little awkward because I don't think I'll ever interview somebody who actually does the intro music again. So, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, But yeah, that is actually Ryan, uh, his previous band, Birds Love Filters, a uh, bunch of friends of ours. Well, you, our other friends of ours, were in a band and made an awesome album. And I said, this is probably the best intro music of all time. So I put it on for our intro music. So if you see in the credits, it says intro music, Birds Love Filters, the song Colorado. That's actually Ryan, singing and playing guitar. I'm flattered. I'm flattered that you wanted to use it. Yep, it's awesome. So before we get into some of the other great topics that I want to bring up today, I first want to ask you about your journey. Like, what was the reason you first started playing music? What artists and uh, you know were some of your main influences? And how and when did you decide that this is kind of the path you wanted to pursue in your life? Well, I feel like, um, like a lot of musicians, it started just because there was an acoustic guitar sitting around. I had my dad's old acoustic guitar. I started... 14, 15 years old, probably, um, and started with an acoustic guitar and eventually got a little four-track cassette recorder, like most people around, you know, late 90s, early 2000s who were playing music. That's kind of the path that everyone took. Um, As far as influences go, obviously, when you're younger, um, a lot of what your parents are listening to, what what records they're playing kind of seeps in there in the beginning and builds a foundation of what you like when you're older. So it was a lot of like, you know, for me, uh, eighties, sort of, uh, the bigger pop names, uh, Rod Stewart, uh, Phil Collins. Uh, there's a lot of Fleetwood Mac, a lot of blues music. My dad was listening to a lot of country music. Um, but yeah, I started starting writing, writing songs right away. I never was super interested in, covers i've done a few of them over the years but i was always interested in writing my own and recording my own music um and from just the acoustic guitar and the little cassette recorder um we you know started putting together a band a few years later me my friend mitch who you know obviously and we played around a four-piece rock band for about six years during that time i was always doing my own music that didn't necessarily fit with the four-piece rock structure. I'm um, doing my own recording. I'm making my own songs, and 
the current project that I've got now just sort of feels like an extension of of all those things together. The the recording my own songs, the layering, um, the live performances is sort of has all come together in this project that I'm doing now, I feel like. Yeah, so, I mean, the crazy thing that you're doing is, and we'll get into this, is essentially, <laughs> you're like a goddamn mad scientist now. You've got like all these contraptions and stuff, and I'm like, yeah. we'll get into that, but, uh, you know, the the progression of the music uh i mean obviously you spent some time learning the production side of it the audio and engineering side of it and uh you know over the years you know I, you you just throw stuff out to us and we'd hear it and be like yeah. every single time it was like something totally like different that i'd not i you know you don't you don't not used to hearing like drum tracks and loops and all this other stuff and all of a sudden you're like oh this is what i've worked on and i was like how long did that take you, man? That's probably like <laughs> two years of my life if I try to do that. Yeah, I think, um, like I said, since this was sort of a natural progression out of the other projects I was working on, it didn't, the learning curve on it didn't feel that steep. You know, I started this project in uh, late January of this year, um, and it came out of, um, you know, I spent a lot of time in my home studio tweaking tracks you know you'll spend half an hour working on an eq or something just to get the sound right laying all the different tracks down and after a while especially during like covid and all that i was i, I had the urge to make something that could only be performed live i felt like i was losing a lot of time and creativity to just tweaking settings on on a computer screen yeah. it's rewarding in its own way but i wanted to try something new so the the current rig that i have designed for live performance um, is based around uh, a looper pedal a drum machine a synthesizer um, and then i do electric guitar and vocals live as well um, and, and it really was just out of the urge of like you know sitting down and changing a setting on a plugin is great and that's what you have to do to ultimately get the result you want but it does feel like a waste of time sometimes when you could just focus on the immediacy of a good riff or uh, a good chorus or something and, and make that more the focal point than just like how good can i get each individual track to sound yeah um, and that was sort of my uh the the overarching theme of this project was like when you start writing a song i don't know how it is when you write a song but i assume it's similar um, it usually starts with the spark of a really good idea, something that, that resonates with you, like a, just a really good guitar riff. Or yeah, a good I never have any riff. good ideas, but I still write the songs anyway. <laughs> well, you got to start with something, right? And <laughs> I think it's usually usually just that initial idea that you get that like lights something up in you and you, you recognize it and you go, oh, that's awesome. I want to build on that. And sometimes I think if you spend too long building and trying to flesh out a perfect song, you lose a little bit of that initial spark that was exciting yeah. to you. Yeah. So, and sometimes you get sick of playing the damn song because you like keep tinkering with it so much. You're just like, I hate the song now. Yeah, exactly. Something that was amazing when you started now is just sort of flat and dull, and you're going through the motions. Yeah. But that's what I wanted to avoid with this project is I want to take a riff that sounds good and then turn that as quickly as possible into a performance and yeah. not not spend you know a year trying to make it perfect. Just this is the riff. This is the this is the melody. This is something that I enjoyed. You just focus on the on the best aspects of the song, put that out there and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'll, I'll come up with like a good riff 
and then I'll destroy it by putting lyrics to it or like, <laughs> right. Oh, hey, let me put a baseline to this. Oh, that sounds bad. Let me try drums. That's terrible. But yeah, yeah. You, have a, you have a 10 second for a five second riff and then you have to try to make a three minute song out of it yeah. and you're just layering on extra stuff and extending things. And sometimes you lose a little bit of that. Initial yeah, exactly. Thing. So you are actually able to play live shows now and you kind of mm-hmm. have, like you said, you have that massive kit behind you there built out and uh, yeah. And you can play like, I don't know, 40 different instruments all at once and then loop it, stop it, and you know, mm-hmm. do more things on command and even sing over the top of it and, and yep. play guitar as you're doing it all live. So, you know, why are you trying so hard, man? Bob Dylan just had a guitar. <laughs> I don't have, you know, I got to use a little smoke and mirrors to make it interesting. I can't just sit there <laughs> with an acoustic guitar and sing. Um, yeah. I think it's, you know, I think that with this project, part of, the appeal of it to me is that um, since I'm not using anything pre-recorded, um, there's no laptop. It's all just done with a looper pedal and analog instruments. And there's something, and especially as I play more shows, I want to see the reaction that I get back. But um, from the, the audience that I have had and the feedback I've got, they appreciate the fact that I'm building the song with them in the moment, you know, so yeah. it starts with just, just a drum beat. Then I'm going to add synthesizer and, and uh, a bass line and a guitar and vocals. And, and in the beginning of it, you don't know what it's going to be at the end. It just had to layer everything on a little bit at a time. And that's sort of exciting because there's the immediacy of it, of like, we're doing this live right now together. You're watching me build this. And also you get the, kind of the rush of like i have to do this right in the moment it's not pre-recorded if i screw up i screw up and i gotta fix it so yeah. um yeah i like yeah. i like I mean, that loop's gonna make everything sound really weird isn't it yeah and and i've i've practiced enough to uh figure out how to recover from those but it you know all it takes is a tenth of a second of hitting that button at the wrong time and everything is thrown off and I have to yeah. figure out ways to fix it or just live with it and hope that nobody notices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so for those that are going to ask, you know, how did you come up with the name Speedway Sleeper? We actually had this conversation via text, but uh, right. I, I know people are going to be like, well, what's that have to do with you? And, and obviously it's the project name, right? It's not like you don't have a band. It's you. Right. But yeah. It's, I mean, there's a million Ryan Nelsons out there. Yeah. And uh, that was, you know, most of my music right now is just out there under my name, Ryan Nelson, which is great. It's a it's a good name. It served me well. But, you know, for <laughs> this point, for better or worse, uh, if you're trying to uh, make something and have it be available to people on the Internet and to uh, have them easily find it and get your name out there, sometimes you do have to consider, like, what a domain name what domain name is available, um, what sounds good, what's going to stick in people's minds. And uh, using just my name, just it, it became, it seemed like a little bit of a, a, a challenge to differentiate myself from other music that's available out there. So I wanted something that, to me, sounded good, came off the tongue nicely, um, was evocative of some sort of image. And Speedway Sleeper seemed seemed to fit what I was looking for. Um, it wasn't so specific that uh, I felt like I was trying to put an image into someone's mind, but it's 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 vague enough to where people are like, well, that's interesting. Let's think about that. What does he mean by Speedway Sleeper? Yeah. So, and you're like, nothing, nothing at all. Nothing. No, it's whatever you want it to mean. Just yeah. Google it. Just find me out yeah. there. Yeah. I think there's, uh, I mean, you know, 
I personally would have really liked to see Rygar the Terrible be the band, the, the I, project name. But I considered doing something with Rygar. I definitely did. <laughs> so that's like the, uh, for some reason, way back in the day, like, because Rygar was like a, a, a really cheesy arcade game that I, for some reason when I was a kid, I loved. And for whatever reason, we were drunk and just started calling you Rygar back in uh-huh. you know, college days. So yeah, I think it would have been funny. <laughs> I tried. I tried, but you know, I don't want to get sued by NES. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, we still got patents and trademarks and copyrights. Right, yeah, you and can't just stuff. use that. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not Mickey Mouse Man. I can't just call myself right. that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I kind of want to get a little technical here because, you know, part of this podcast isn't just talking about music and, and everything, but it's also like, you know, digging into the, the pains and the challenges and what grows and how you have to deal with stuff. So, you know, as far as the production side, you still record this stuff and you actually have a pretty sweet like recording area. Uh-huh. Um, so kind of when you're producing this to, you know, put it out for everybody else, yeah. what kind of things are you still getting challenges from or what did you have to overcome? And, and you know, because, you know, there's always going to be somebody listening going, you know, I'd like to get some more insights about how I can do this more myself and how I can right. actually sound more professional. So like maybe you've had some issues or challenges that kind of you can talk about and how you solve those or how you try to solve them. Uh, so that way somebody else might get some you know tips out of that so i think on the production side we can maybe set this current project right now aside a little bit just because it is more designed for live like you said i am still sort of doing putting some videos out i have a youtube uh, channel that has a bunch of videos on it um and the recording for this has been fairly easy because i run everything through a mixer that's kind of like the brains of my operation here and from my mixer, I can just run a USB out. It's already mixed down to two channels, yeah. hit record, run it into my software, maybe throw some compression or a limiter or something on it, keep it super simple, and then and I'm good. As yeah. far as what, what I'm looking for out of it, I'm good there. Yeah. Um, but as far as my other, other musical projects have gone where I have spent more time on the production side of it, um, I think the most important thing is to figure out what you're trying to accomplish with a project. Now, if you're trying to, um, you know, mix songs and master songs and produce something that is of like radio caliber um, of what you're hearing out there from the big name producers, I think that's going to be a little bit different of a road that you're going to follow than if you're making music that you want it to sound good, but mostly you you want it to just convey whatever message you're trying to put out there. You're not necessarily yeah. trying to make it sound like someone else. You just like, this is what I have to offer, and this is what it sounds like, and these are my skills that I have, most importantly. You know, you want to work towards getting better and better all the time, but I think it's important not to get lost in, like I was saying, tweaking an EQ for 45 minutes because you <laughs> it's just not sounding exactly right. Yeah, There's a time and place for that, but I do think it robs from your creative flow quite a bit if you if you don't keep that in check um some of the stuff that i've um some of the stuff that i have incorporated into all my music i think is um you obviously want the you want a balance between volume and dynamics in music i mean you hear that a lot like with you know, it's sort of over now, but like the loudness wars where everything was super squashed and compressed. Yeah. Um, for people that don't know what you're talking about, it's essentially like you take the, you take the file and basically just raise the volume in mastering or in, you know, in the mix down. And it's like, 
well, that's not the volume I recorded at, but now it's going to be the volume that it's played back at, right? Right. And and a lot of um, the the sad fact of any audio is that louder sounds better. It just does. It always does. Even at the cost of dynamics where you want quiet parts and you want subtlety and you want layers that are real um, nuanced, but you lose that when you try to get that volume because everything has to get squashed down into a tiny space. Um so for me, since obviously I'm not, I'm not trying to record radio artists. I'm not, you know, I'm just doing everything in a bedroom here. I, <laughs> I wanted to preserve as much of the dynamics as I could and, and have those subtle layers. Um, but from a tech, technical standpoint, I just feel like trying to convey what it is that your songs, the message of your songs and not get too lost in the, the, the final polished product yeah. is, is pretty important. And see, that's what everybody who talks about production, mixing, and mastering says. And I'm like, but I just want it to be fucking loud. <laughs> Louder sounds better. I mean, it really, it does. It's like, I don't, I, when I go through my playlist and all of a sudden I hear my music and it's like, I have to turn it up. I'm like, uh -huh. that's a pain in the ass. But yeah, it sounds yeah. better. <laughs> it but it's just like, oh God, I have to turn the volume up now? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I think some of that is changing uh, too with streaming services. Because as I've started to put stuff up on Spotify, and even YouTube to a certain degree, they have their own um, like loudness yeah. algorithms. Yeah. So I think that's sort of even the playing field a little bit too. Like I threw a bunch of music up on Spotify and it, and listening to it next to other commercially produced albums, the volume is pretty close. And right. it does like, it does help the small time guy a lot get on the level with the you know big time yeah. producers. Yeah. I'm assuming that Spotify probably thought about that and said you know we want everything to kind of sound professional so yeah. we're going to help them out yeah. yeah yeah so i think it's a little less important than it used to be obviously it's still important but not yeah. like it was before before the digital streaming times yeah so let's talk about some other stuff that you kind of do as far as the production but live and in general just with like you know you don't you're not a drummer uh right. i i play drums but i'm not exactly the, the world's greatest drummer i have some skills but i would say it's it's serviceable at best. Yeah. Um, so when you use drums, drum tracks, like how you, how did you start doing that? You know, what were you using? How did you actually decide like, this is, you know, just the way that I want to go because obviously it keeps time better than a human. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not a drummer at all. Can't really hold my own on a drum kit. Um, but I think some of the, probably the main artists that got me into doing my style of songwriting and using a drum machine um, was the the earlier John Frusciante solo albums. Yeah. Um, because I feel like he had a pretty big influence on a lot of the stuff that I was doing for, for a long time. And I liked his use of drum machines that um, weren't, they, they weren't trying to apologize for being drum machines which I think is a trap that some people fall into when they're not drummers and they use drum machines as um, just a replacement or like a placeholder yeah. for a drummer when they can totally be their own thing. And you don't have to apologize for using a drum machine, especially now it doesn't have yeah. the, like the stigma that maybe it did at uh, other times. Yeah. Um, but I think as far as the, the rhythm tracks go, um, I do spend a lot of time, listening to drumming styles even though i'm not a drummer myself and just trying to hear how the different elements interact um i think that's something that when you are a multi-instrumentalist and you're trying to do all these things that may or may not be in your skill set 
the, the least you can do is listen to someone that knows what they're doing and try to pick out the individual elements of it. So like listen to how the, the hi-hat interacts with the snare, how the snare yeah. and the kick interact together, you know, uh, just really basic stuff that even if you're not the, you're, you can't play that instrument, you can at least understand musically what is happening and recreate that yeah. in another way. And a lot of times when you're dealing with like a drum drum track, it, it's a lot of math, right? So it's like, okay, on the yeah. one here, hit this, on the two here, the three, three, four, whatever. Like it's it's really like building a formula out from uh -huh. sound. Yeah. There's different different styles too. I mean, I've been listening to um like way late to the party, but I've been listening to a lot of Square Pusher recently. I don't know if you're familiar with him, electronic artist, but the main thing that he does, which I'm finding really interesting that I'd like to try myself, is Instead of the, the drum machine being the background instrument that supports the other instruments, it's actually the primary instrument. So it's like a lot of weird polyrhythms, and it is actually the lead instrument. Like basically, you're hearing drum machine solo for five minutes with other instruments supporting it. I'm not quite ready to try something like that, but um, having the drum machine, like you're saying, it, it keeps it takes one other thing off your plate in terms of what you have to worry about, especially in a live looping scenario where you don't have to worry about the time slipping at all. Yeah. Um, in my case, the drum machine that I use, if you want to talk technically in my rig, I wish that I could kind of show you what I got going on here, but um, the drum machine is uh, connected to everything else and controls the MIDI clock of everything else. So it controls the tempo of the looper and the tempo of, uh, synthesizer any sort of arpeggios or anything i have on the synthesizer so if i have let's say my drum machine is playing 80 bpm that tempo clock is going to every other device i have right. to keep it locked in place which you know now i now i have i can take that off my plate and i can focus on not screwing up the guitar line that i inevitably will screw up <laughs> yeah <laughs> human fingers suck right. <laughs> Just need robot robot hands and arms and, yes. and legs and, and brains. Yeah. Right. Then I can just stand there and hit play. Yeah. So let's talk about the rig. I mean, obviously you've got it behind you there. Um, what kind of gear are you using? I mean, a lot of people are like there's a lot of gearheads that might listen to this show and be like, yeah. oh, well, you know, what kind of pedals, what kind of looping station you might have and all that yeah. stuff. And it's it's pretty intense. We'll obviously have some links to the videos and stuff so people can yeah. see it, which is it's a marvel. I'm just like, <laughs> what in the hell am I looking at? Like I can't believe you could actually pack that thing up, but I mean, it looks like it's portable. It just looks intense compared to like, Oh, here's my guitar. Let me go. Right. Yeah. And that was, um, kind of from the beginning of this, I, I was like, well, I need to make this portable. This is going to be designed for live and it needs to be quickly put up and tore down if I'm gigging, you know? So everything essentially fits into two big, um, like plastic. They're, they're, they're like a, they're like a road case, but they're just a plastic clamshell sort of case of yeah. foam in it that holds everything. Um, so like I said, the, the, the heart of everything is the drum machine, uh, which is a Arturia drum brute impact, just a cheap, they're like 300 bucks, um, analog drum machine doesn't use any samples or anything. Um, so that sets a tempo for everything. And I have, uh, all my patterns, uh, pre-programmed because obviously yeah. if I was building a drum machine live, we we're talking. 30 minutes for one song. So I'm not going to do that, but the <laughs> yeah. patterns, the patterns. So there is some pre-recording, but yeah. Like, the drum patterns. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the drum machine is uh, the only thing that doesn't 
run well i guess the vocals don't run through the looper either but the the drum machine runs straight into a, a mixer um but controls the tempo of everything else i have um the looper pedal which has my guitar and synthesizer running through it um is a what is that it's a it's a boss rc 500 <clears throat> basically two <clears throat> excuse me two independent looper uh loop tracks that i can use um instead of just having one track where um you're building all your layers just on one thing and you have no alternative to go to this has two so i can essentially build like a chorus and a verse independently and by hitting the solo and mute buttons on the mixer, I can switch between them. So they're always yeah. playing together, but they're running into separate channels on the mixer. And obviously they play even when you're not hearing it, but right. it's just going in the background, yeah. Yes. Well, in the mute or whatever. Right, yeah. And uh, so I have my uh, electric guitar running through uh, a stereo delay pedal and my Korg monologue mono synthesizer also running through the same delay pedal so a lot of the sound that you're hearing on this project is it's it, it's just it's delay that's really the only effect that i use that and a little bit of uh guitar tone because i don't use an yeah. amp i run everything live through the mixer so i have a preamp pedal from tech 21 great little guitar pedal that i use but delay and that preamp pedal is really the only thing for my guitar tone um and then a couple effects that are in the mixer for the vocals um, yeah. I guess in terms of the vocals, I do have a, um, I have a TC Helicon duplicator pedal that has good reverb and it does a little bit of uh, real-time pitch shifting in it because I'm not the world's greatest singer. So it kind of helps you. I was going to say, what kind of, uh, what kind of auto-tune you got? Cause, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, everything packs down into a couple cases. Um, I played a show last weekend and that was the first time playing out of the house um, with this project. And I was curious to see how long it was going to take me to set everything up and tear it down because <clears throat> it is a lot of wires. I mean, like you said, you'll post some videos and you'll see it's a lot of stuff running everywhere, but I have everything labeled. It's pretty efficient. It took me about, I think 25 minutes to set up and about that to tear down, which is, I mean, that's what it would take a, a three piece band. Yeah, exactly. So. I mean, drums alone take, I mean, then you got to sound check it all at least to make right. it sound good. You don't really have to sound check that. You just got to get the volumes like yeah out of the pa right basically yep yeah everything's running through a mixer so i'm doing my own sound essentially if i have any issues there's the knobs right there yeah yep. cool so i kind of am curious because we've known each other for a long time um yes. obviously we've had you know totally different musical paths in the sense that like i kind of stopped playing for like i don't know eight years just because i was like nobody down here in las vegas wants to play poor no. me um <laughs> but um you know you kept going and and yeah, I kept do, doing stuff, but it was at a, such a slow speed. So, like, I was curious, like, you know, over the course of the last 20 years or so, literally like 20 years since we've yep. known each other, yep. um, what what kind of, uh, you know, what's kind of kept you going? And, and, you know, when you get everybody, all, you know, hobby musicians or even semi-professional musicians are going to have periods where they, like, just kind of stop or don't do it as actively. So what yep. kind of got you back into it and what kind of pushes you through those times? Um, I feel like, I mean, it's more than anything, it's probably a, it is a fear on my part of, of having the day-to-day, -day, um, you know, just work responsibilities, things like 
that I don't want to ever let that be all that I have. You know, I do feel like there's a lot of people that if they don't have some sort of creative outlet, um, they stop growing in a sense. Yeah. Um, I think for me during the periods where I have, you know, really slacked on making music and I'm not writing, I'm not doing anything musically. I, I feel worse. I feel like I'm not accomplishing what I should be, even though I'm like, I'm super small time. No one ultimately, you know, is depending on me to make any music. I could easily stop and that would be fine. But for me, I say it gives me a little more meaning to life than just like, you know, the normal get up, pay bills, go to work, do that sort of stuff. It, it makes me feel like I'm actually accomplishing something that's a little bit greater than just the, the day to day. So trying to keep engaged in putting out music, um, even if it's just, you know, record a song that I feel like is good and, and put it out on a YouTube channel just to make it available for for people. I've always wanted like people like when I've talked about making music with people and they've asked me like, um, you know, what is it that you get out of it or what is it that you enjoy most about it? Um, I think kind of the answer that I've, I've settled on is um, I remember listening to those bands um, like when you're, let's say 15 to 25, let's say that that's when you're really finding those bands that resonate with you and probably are going to stick with you for the rest of your life. Right. Like that's a real formative time. And I remember listening to those songs, some of those bands that I heard the song for the first time. And if I could, even if it only happens once, even if I can write one song that someone out there finds it and they get that same feeling that I got when I was, let's say 18, listening to like, the first Modest Mouse record or something like that. Like just yeah. something that really resonates with you. I can do that just once, just a little bit. Then that's totally worth it to me. Just to be well, able mission to accomplished pass that along. I freaking love the Birds with Filters album. I that's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, 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 I put it on once in a while too. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it, I listen to the other stuff that you have too, but it's not like in like a, like a playlist that I have yet. Cause I have uh-huh. to pull it from like other software or like, you know, we'll go to YouTube and listen to it. But yeah. Yeah. Well, and then obviously the uh, the the Joe rap song that we are. <laughs> we got a lot of like a lot of uh, bloopers and outtakes from those days. <laughs> Having like we had uh, practice studios over the years in the different houses we lived in, with little recorders, little hard disk recorders yeah. and stuff set up, and so many so many songs that are somewhere on a hard drive yeah. that probably should stay on a hard drive but there's a lot of stuff out there that we've recorded yeah exactly and and yeah i mean i always tell people like oh you got you're a musician you got music that i can listen to i'm like yeah you can but you're probably not gonna like it because i seem to be the only one that likes it (laughs) that's okay that's great (laughs) like sometimes the production's the issue and sometimes yeah i just uh I just, it doesn't sound yeah. as good as I want or whatever, but I still like it. I still listen to it. Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately all that really matters, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if you like feel a sense of accomplishment because you created something, it's just like painting or drawing or yeah. anything like that. Cool. So some techniques. Now this could be guitar playing, vocal melody, whatever, uh, you know, whatever you want to talk about. Even the fact that you can now play, um, a, you know a little bit of the piano and synthesizer stuff because i know i mean we can all probably figure it out when we do it it's just like it takes time to get it to where you can play it and do it the same way right i mean right. be consistent but like were there any techniques in, in in playing that you like you just couldn't get over until you 
like something unlocked that for you. I know for me, it was like, you know, just figuring out like a pentatonic scale on the guitar is like, oh, well, I can play lead on practically every freaking song. Right. It's like, yeah. what the heck? Like, that just blew my mind. And I was like, I still have to remember the lead, but at least I can now play a lead solo on something, right? Yeah. I think um, for me, in terms of like building building songs that are close to what my concept of them was when I started. Like, you know, you start with an idea and you're like, this is what I want it to sound like when it's done. And then here's what it sounds like actually when it's done. It's not usually the same thing. Yeah. Um, in terms of trying to get close to that vision, um, just learning, learning to play different instruments has been probably the, the most helpful thing for me. Cause I started out just playing guitar. And then um, once we started getting going with the band and playing shows. Obviously I'm, I'm singing and writing songs at that point too. But since then, since I've kind of uh, stepped back and, and started to build songs from scratch myself, I've had to learn just out of necessity, how to write a bass line, how a drum machine works, um, you know, how to do production and how to make things sound the way you want them. Like just getting my hands in a lot of different things instead of, being narrowly focused on guitar has really helped me to like accomplish what I want. And, yeah. and for me, I have pretty limited uh, music theory knowledge, like pretty limited. I, <laughs> I really need to like step up my game, but. This um, sounds good. What is this? Oh, this is an A. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, for me, like repetition is super key in mm -hmm. making it sound like I know what I'm doing. Cause I can figure out a guitar line with enough time and repetition to make it sound like, I, you know, came up with it on the fly, but yeah, yeah getting ready for, um, playing out with this project, I've been running my set, uh, probably, um, on average, at least once a day, um, sometimes twice a day running through the entire set, just that yeah. muscle memory, I think is like, don't ever discount muscle memory. If you've yeah, got, a, sure. you know, I, I think that's key. Um, uh, and that's what people don't want to do is practice. Yeah. I just want to be good on the first try. Like, All right. <laughs> so do I. I don't have a choice, though. I have to practice. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think uh, expanding whatever your palette is that you're working with. If you're a guitar player, learn how to play bass a little bit. Try to sit behind a drum kit. Try to play with a synthesizer and a drum machine or, you know, a banjo, just anything. Try to, try to expand your knowledge a little bit. You don't have to be great at anything, but it'll help you, like, in all aspects of production yeah. and making a song. I think that's super important. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously understanding guitar helps you with the bass, but mm -hmm. you have to learn bass in a separate concept as, yeah. as guitar because there's, there's different kinds of ways to play the bass guitar, obviously. But um, if you can add something like elevating to your music by having a bass line in there, which it usually does, yeah. it could even be a simple bass line as long as it plays how you want it to sound. It, it changes the dynamic of the song from like this kind of, you know, singer songwriter thing to professional sounding, in my opinion, a lot of ways. Yeah, I think that what bass playing, for me at least, teaches you about guitar playing or any music in general, I guess, is that it teaches you the importance of the space between notes. Because a lot of times with the guitar playing, especially rhythm playing, you're trying yeah. to fill a lot of space. You play it's, just nonstop, yeah. it's just nonstop sound. But yeah. with bass, to make a good bass line, you need a lot of space and you need texture and you need something that's going to grab your ear here, but maybe that only happens once or twice during a song. And yeah. Yeah. So you have to really learn to interplay between different instruments and not just play all the time 
yeah. something, you know. And and the really good thing I think about understanding a good baseline is like, you know, if the baseline comes in there, like what I've actually done a lot of times is in, you know, I'll, I'll write the guitar, play the whole song, I'll record it. I'm like, ah, oh, that sounds pretty good. I'm like going in and play the bass and I'll start fiddling around, get a baseline in there. And I'm like, I'll do some starts and stops. And then I'm like, hold on, I can actually change the rhythm of the guitar now to make right. it actually kind of fill with this better. Yep. And it changes the song completely and it makes it sound awesome. And I'm like, yes. I should have thought about in the first place on the guitar, but you don't do it until you get to the other instrument. Yep, exactly. Yep. It teaches you, it teaches you different ways to compose a song. Like the more it, I, for a while there, I was writing music, just, I was composing it first on the bass, which is interesting for me because obviously being a guitar player, that's how I wrote. Everything was just chords. Yeah. And then learning how to start a song on the bass taught me to be a better guitar player. And actually with this project that I'm doing now, something that you know is that I've almost always played rhythm guitar. I'm not playing really any rhythm guitar in this at all. This is all just texture and sort of hooks and lead lines and stuff. Yeah. And that's that's been it's been a nice change for me to be able to just like say I need a little guitar here and that's it and, and not try to fill a bunch of space with with strumming. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, uh, we were talking about, obviously, you playing like the, the arpeggios and, and stuff like that, you know, live. Um, and you practice at it, you know, obviously, I think <laughs> practice is the only way to actually get good at an instrument. I think anybody yeah. who thinks that they, there's people that have natural ability. Yeah. I don't think natural ability is a thing with music. Like, you have a natural inclination to want to play it right. and to practice more. Like, that is the natural inclination. It's not, yeah. hey, I'm just naturally good at this. You, it's not, I've never seen that happen with anybody yeah. that I've ever met. No, I, I agree with that. I've I've had people tell me like, oh, I wish I like, I wish I had talent for playing an instrument or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. that, I don't think that's a thing. I think yeah. you you just do it. You want to do it, and then you sit down for hours and hours and hours, and then you eventually get okay at it. Yeah. Now, you know how good know you are at playing Mario Kart? Yeah, that's right. you could have put that into a musical yes, instrument instead. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's just to me. Yeah, I think it's I think it's repetition, muscle memory, and the, the only part of talent I think that plays into it is like you said you just that gives you the drive to want to do it in the first place yeah. and the the uh, desire to get better at it but yeah, yeah naturally i mean who just picks up a guitar and is naturally good at it I, i've never seen it i don't know <laughs> yeah. um i will say that uh, you know obviously we're talking about practicing and and you're like you know i i have to practice these these guitar parts and stuff so is it kind of like your biggest fear that like the, the crowd turns on you is like play a fucking solo (laughs) (laughs) the amount of anxiety that i had especially before like this last show because i I hadn't played out since back when mitch our friend mitch and i were still playing together it was almost a decade so it had been almost 10 years empire yeah that was the last show that i played back in eugene um and yeah since i I feel like the only fail-safe thing is to just build every riff into muscle memory. And then yeah. I just have to, I, it is a fear of mine. Like, you know how it feels like when you're playing a show and like things start to go off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's a horrible feeling. Yeah. Um, so if you like equip yourself as good as best you can to be able to not let that happen, one, and two, if it does happen, get it back on track. Yeah. And, you know, the less you have to, think about things in a live setting the better right i mean if, yeah. if you're thinking like okay well this part comes next and i need to play this and i need to play this like that is energy that you could be used 
that could be used on your performance, maybe and putting on a good show. Unless you're thinking about the music, the more your hands are just doing what you've trained them to do, the better, I think. Yeah. yeah. Repetition is is the only thing that gets me through any sort of live performance. Yeah. And it's funny because we're like mentioning like things going off the rails. I was drumming in a band for a couple of years uh, called Two Eyed Cyclops, which clever name. Yeah. Uh, our lead singer <laughs> came up with that. But I was playing drums in that band, and we played a show, and I was using an, an electric drum kit, and we were playing a little coffee shop, so like I couldn't fit a full drum set in there probably if I wanted to. But mm -hmm. uh, I didn't think in my head. I was like, oh well, normally you'd bring a drum rug so stuff doesn't slide and move around. Yeah. But I was like, oh, it's electric kit. It's it's not a big deal. Well, that was a fucking dumb idea because my my actual kit started sliding away from me and falling uh -huh. apart slowly <laughs> playing the show. So I'm like having to stop and pull it back together and piece it back and then oh, play no. with one hand and put the rest. Of Your kit drum is just getting further and further away <laughs> each hit. Oh, yeah. So uh, anybody who who plays electric drums live, definitely get a drum rug and don't let uh -huh. it move you <laughs> move away from you. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, you see that like watching uh, bands in bars, right? Like if they have that issue. You'll see all sorts of weird shit stacked in front of the kick drum. I've yeah. seen like bricks, guitar cases, amps yeah. get set in front of the kick drum. All the all the, all the guitar cases and stuff. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I think that's pretty much it. You have anything else? I mean, we'll obviously add some links to the music and stuff cool. in the show notes below the episode. But you have anything you want to mention or anything you'd like to say to the fans that haven't heard you yet? Um, no, I mean, yeah, check out whatever links we've got here. Uh Speedway Sleeper. Instagram, YouTube, uh, SpeedwaySleeper.com. I'm building it out right now. Uh, there is a good amount of content out there, but there will be more. And, uh, yeah, check it out. Find me. Drop me a line. And there will be lots more music coming, hopefully, wherever. When we get back to normal times of bands performing live and there not being any weirdness, hopefully I will be out live moving around the country. That's nice. planned. Well, you got a place to stay in Las Vegas, so you're good there. Awesome. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> And yeah, I want to thank you, Ryan, from, from Speedway Sleeper for the awesome conversation today. And if you haven't checked out his music, well, it's never too late. Check out the show notes below for the links. And if you're in the vicinity of Bend, Oregon, go see this dude live to see exactly what you're missing. If you like what you heard on the show, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends on social media. Also, if you want to check out some of our written content or any of the products or merch that we have available, go to PoweredByRock.com to check out our absolutely free rocking blog where we have album reviews, interviews, and other lists that keep you entertained, as well as our gear that you can buy to play and look like a rock legend. That's our show for today. We'll see you for the next episode. Until then, rock on. <laughs>